Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome. We're so glad to have you with us here this evening on Ask Herbal Health Expert Susan Weed, a two-hour radio show each Tuesday night. Herbal medicine is people's medicine, simple, safe, effective. Please bring your curiosity and health questions. Susan will enlighten, surprise, and delight you. I know most of you know Susan Weed already. She's my mom, so I know her. But for those of you who have not yet met Susan, I'd like to share, she is the author of the Wise Woman Herbal series, wonderful books on women's health and herbal medicine, including Wise Woman Herbal for the Childbearing Year, Breast Cancer Breast Health! Exclamation point, The Wise Woman Way, Healing Wise, The Wise Woman Herbal, New Menopausal Years, The Wise Woman Way, down there, sexual and reproductive health, the wise woman way. And abundantly well, seven medicines, the wise woman way. The newest book in the wise woman herbal series. So exciting. In addition to being the editor at Ashtree Publishing and writing her books, Susan is the director of the Wise Woman Center in Woodstock, New York. The Wise Woman Center is open to the public on appointment-only basis. She offers weekend workshops, intensives, and apprenticeships throughout the season. Susan is also available to you online via wisewomanmentor.com. There you can go and view her weekly e-zine. You can subscribe to receive a notification via email each week, or you could join her mentorship program. Susan also offers distance learning correspondence courses and online courses at thewisewomanschool.com. Join us there for colorful, instructive, easy video courses, including Easy Herbal Medicine with Susan Weed, Happy Knees, a Cancer Diagnosis, Adaptogens for Long Life, and Abundantly Well Companion Course, Wise Woman you can also just go to her website, susanweed.com, where you will find thousands of pages online with recipes, articles, art features, and so much more. Well, for now, let's see what Susan has to share with us this evening. Thank you, and welcome, Susan. Good evening, everyone, and welcome. Um, as we wait for Susan here, um, this is Sarah Ellen, and I just want to say thank you all for joining us. And I'm sure Susan will be here um, any moment now, but until she arrives, I guess I'll just 
get everybody acquainted with who our guest is going to be later. Um, we are going to be joined uh, by Jerry Grace Lyons, and um, I'm looking forward to her um, discussing more about what she does. She is um, a funeral guide and death midwife and helps loved ones, family and friends, um, say goodbye to their departed loved ones in their homes and um, also helps to get people acquainted with resources for green burials, um, something new that, well, maybe not so new, but something that more people are looking into as a new option or consideration for them um, when making any advanced directives for um, when it's our time and um, knowing what our options are in terms of how we want to feed our body to the earth, if that's our choice, um, and looking into a green burial for that. Um, so let's see. I am not seeing Susan with us yet in the queue, so I may just um, ask for your patience and pop over and give her a ring to make sure um, she knows it's 7.30. And uh, let's see. In the meantime, what else can I share with you? We've been working this week um, quite a bit on getting things lined up for the St. Jones Hypericum Conference. And I know Susan has been talking with most, if not all, of the prisoners um, to get a little bit, um, maybe juicy tidbit about what they're going to be sharing in May. That conference dates have been set for May 1st through May 10th. So uh, definitely make sure that you tune in here on Blog Talk or check Facebook, um, the easing, stay up to date because we'll be giving out details soon for the sign-up website and getting the Facebook page live and ready for Hypericum Shorts. So lots of good stuff is about to be um, opened up for the Hypericum Conference, which as Susan has said, when registration first opens, you will have a chance to register for the entire event for no cost at all. Um, and we'll have lifetime access to that Hypericum Conference. So please everyone make sure when um, that website goes live later this month, I think is the intention later in January and for all of February, make sure you take just a moment to go over to the site and log in for Hypericum. Oh, I see Susan's hand. There we go. I am. Susan, I am finally hi. here. Hi, hi, hi. Thanks for thanks for talking about the Hypericum conference. Yeah. Yeah. So the plan was to open registration today. Mm. I don't know if that's happened, but then again. Who bothers to tell me things? It's okay. <laughs> so supposedly, registration for the Hypericum Conference is now open for free until March 15th, midnight March 15th. So you were telling them how to do that. Continue if I interrupted you. Well, I was saying that I didn't have the details yet for how they would register, but that I knew the intention was to have that live and up and running and to check in with the Facebook page um, and the e for details on that and to make 
time to to get registered in the month of February. Don't even wait till March. Just take no wait, don't wait. Minutes. Yes, just do it as soon as you can. <laughs> no, I haven't. Yes, I haven't read this week's easing. It's been a really full day today, and so I don't know if it's in the easing. That was the plan, as I said. Um, but sometimes plans don't get carried out, so. I will say that I have all the presenters with their Zoom times all put together, 100% committed. So I know that Allie is getting close to being ready to unveil the presenters page and the whole schedule of things to come. And just like with the Comfrey Conference, it's going to be additive. Um, other virtual conferences that I've been at, they put the talks up for one day. Maybe they give you two days, and then they take it away. And you have to pay for it thereafter. But that's not what we do. We put day one talks up on day one. And on day two, we put day t- two-day talks up, and the day one talks stay up. They stay up for the whole time, and if you're registered, you have lifetime access to all of those talks. So day two, get to meet those instructors, hear from them. Day one and day two are still available to you on day three. So if something keeps you away and you don't get there till day five, you can binge watch the Hypericum conference and watch Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday mm-hmm. all together. <laughs> At that point, um, the Zooms will not be recorded. They will have happened and been recorded, let me be clear. Each day, there will be a Zoom meeting with the instructors, the people who are sharing that day. And... That's only available at that one time. So if Eagle Song says, yep, I'm going to be there Sunday, and I'm going to be there Sunday afternoon at this time, that's the one time during the whole conference that you get a chance to talk to Eagle Song and ask her questions about her presentation, ask her questions about Hypericum, share something you want to share with her, whatever. That's the time. Those Zoom conversations will be recorded, and after the conference is over, give us a little bit of time to do the work. We'll get those recordings in with the presentations. And at that point, when you have access, you'll have access to all the Zoom sessions that you missed. You won't be able to talk to the teachers, you won't be able to ask questions, but you'll be able to hear what went on at that Zoom session. And again, it's not instantaneous. It takes us some time to pull out those Zoom sessions we've recorded and get them put in to the right places. So be patient about that part of it, but it does happen. Like if you go to the Comfrey Conference now, all of those Zoom sessions are part of the Comfrey Conference and in their order with the presentations and the way they happened. But here's the most important thing. 
Allie says there are no Hypericum shorts. Like no one has submitted any or we're not going to... No one has submitted any, right. So, get yourselves to work and get your Hypericum shorts because personally, I think they were one of the best parts of the country conference. Yes, I'll have to make sure and check with Allie. Maybe um, if I know I don't know what the, the link is for that. So maybe next week we can share even what the the site is, unless it's linked. I would. Through I would. Post- if you have a short, send it to Allie at herbshealing dot com. H e r b s h e a l i n g dot com. Allie a l l i e. Elliot.herbshealing.com. Send her your shorts. I'm going to start yeah. reading from books and recording that. So we will have those yeah. shorts again. And I'll remind everyone, if you do record a short and you're going to send it by email, um, you'll probably have a lot easier time if you put your settings in a lower resolution. So don't make yourself high definition. Put it in the regular SD is, I believe, what Allie has said is the resolution. It keeps your file size and easier size to, to upload to email. So. We already had to rent more space in the cloud. I've heard about that, yes. The cloud filled quickly. <laughs> and I'm so glad. I am so glad mm-hmm. that so many presenters have, have shared so much. I, my heart is like, oh, my goodness. And I have to wait till May? It's like an extended Christmas Eve. <laughs> All the presents are under the tree and wrapped and ready, but uh, 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 but that's okay. We want to give some people <laughs> time to, you know, do these things to get their Hypericum shorts in. There's Hypericum Marketplace. So if you're thinking, oh, wow, I wish I'd known about the Comfrey Marketplace. I could have advertised something there. Well, the Hypericum Marketplace is open and available. Um, all of the, the uh, people who have presentations, of course, get free ads, but other people are um, – we have ads available. Last time we had um, Catskill Comfrey took out an ad and the woman who wrote all those Comfrey books. So, also get in touch with Allie mm-hmm. about that if you're interested in being seen. And I guess I can share this very good news. It's, I'm kind of like, oh, it's such good news. Maybe I shouldn't talk about it. But we asked the Lloyd Library if they would archive the Comfrey Conference, and they said yes. Wow. And, and they want to archive the Hypericum Conference, too. Oh, my goodness. How exciting. It's so, you know, it's just so wonderful to know that, that, that these virtual events will have a possibility of some afterlife, have a possibility of being part of the record of the exploration of herbs and herbal medicine in the beginning of the 21st century. How 
fun and fascinating. Wow. I Oh, that is so beautiful, Susan. Congratulations. That is beautiful to everyone yeah, who shared. Well, you know, I, it just occurred to me to ask them, to just say, hey, I did this virtual event. I think it's like really historically important. What do you, do you archive virtual things? And there's a little back and forth, and then they said yes. Yes. Oh, so beautiful. Yeah. And then they found out about the Hypericum Conference and said, hey, you're holding out on us. It wasn't exactly like uh-huh. that. Kind of <laughs> <laughs> in for one, in for a mall, I guess. How wonderful. So, uh, but, you know, be part of these. They're really historic events. I just don't know if anything else like them. And um, I feel that they are presents to myself that I've worked diligently all of my life and um, that I've been paid nicely for that. And so I can take that money now and use that money to do what I want, which is to put on these virtual conferences because I learn so much. And I get the sense of our herbal community in a way that... um, I realized during the COVID years that I didn't ever want to lose. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And I was realizing this year that not only will participants be from all over the globe, there really are several international like presenters from outside of the Americas. So it's fascinating. I mean, there's Spain and Canada and, the UK, so I, it's just like wow, wow. Plants are a common language for us, and they're wise use. Very. Mm. We have a goat. We have a goat in heat. We're trying to get her bread, and we don't have a plan B. And the man with the buck isn't home. It's been a very Ooh. trying day. Only goes on so long. You gotta like act and act fast. So <laughs> that's been a lot. What I've been thinking about today is how to get Ashe connected with what she wants. Tonight at 9 o'clock right here, Jerry Grace Lyons is going to be with us, and I am thrilled, really, that Jerry Grace is going to come and talk to us because she's a pioneer in the home funeral movement and an international death educator. Yes. She founded the educational nonprofit organization Final Passages in 1995 to inform the public about natural death care rights, green burial options, and the benefits of bringing death back into the home. Stay with us until 9 o'clock tonight or go to something and come on back. Those are East Coast times so that you can hear what Jerry Grace Lyons has to say. Is Elizabeth Kubler-Ross 
was fond of reminding us we all have an expiration date. You might as well get ready for it. Not thinking about it, not talking about it, not conveying, you know, what would you like uh, beforehand isn't kind. As I've often said, I wish that I had had a little time to talk to my mom about her wish to be cremated. It was kind of like her, you know, kind of like, oh, and by the way, I I want to be cremated. And so I'm like, oh, okay. But then after the fact, I was really unhappy with it. I would have tried to talk her out of it. I'm not sure I would have wanted her embalmed either, but this, you know, my beloved fern, we were able to surround her with her rosemary bush. We cut down her rosemary bush in Texas, which was easily like six feet across and six feet tall, and surrounded her in rosemary and and the wooden casket that she wanted and that she was able to see before she died. In a place that's sacred to her, and so I know that she's... Part of it all again. And that's very comforting to me. It's not so comforting to have a jar of ashes. So, interesting. I'm really eager to hear what she has to say. Especially. So that I can make my wishes known. <laughs> I've always in the back of my mind thought, oh, yeah, that's what I wanted, you know, at Ferngut. But I don't know if New York will let me do that because it is varied from state to state. She Fern lived in Texas. Mm. Mm. Yep, I've asked about it a little bit here in Illinois. Um, so I, I know they permit green burials and um, they permit burial without embalming. There are some rules or requirements that it's permitted. You just you can't have an open casket. You can't move the body over state lines, and the cemetery has to be okay with that or allow for it. So, yeah. Right. She was was able to get permission um, to be interred on private land. Oh wow, that is special. Wow. Wow, my God. Yeah. So, so by her favorite bush. Yes, truly. Mm. So in between now and death, there are all the problems of life. Do we have any of them tonight? Besides uh, not being able yeah. to get the buck for my ghost. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Hopefully tomorrow we'll still be in time. We do have one hand that has been raised, and I'll remind everyone listening, if you have a question and would like to speak live with Susan this evening, please press 1 so that we can see your hand go up in the queue. The first caller has dialed in from the 647 area code. From the 647, you are live with Susan. Hi, Susan. I'm so surprised I'm number one in line. That's that's great for me. Yeah. <laughs> um, my name is Nancy, and um, I, over the last few years, I'm turning 70 in February, and uh, over the last few years I've been um, struggling with sleep. I, I've heard you speak about your 
um, perspective on sleep in terms of um, we, you know, never used to sleep for these long stretches at a time. I do really rely on yoga and nidra during the day for some very deep relaxation. Um, but I recently discovered some kava kava tincture in my uh, in my cupboard, which I completely forgot I had. I've I've tried a lot of things. I've tried um, California poppy. I've tried valerian and passionflower. Um, I've tried you know tinctures in combination and separately. Um, so tell me, tell doing, me about your sleep difficulty. Well, you know, I I just lie here and I don't fall asleep till about. 2.30 in the morning. Um, some of it has to do with some things that are going on in my household over which I don't have control. Um, I, I'm not really that upset about it. Like I don't lie here fretting about it. Um, and I can generally sleep extra hours the next morning. I don't generally have to get up early. Um, but I, you know, I... I look in the mirror and I got bags under my eyes and um, I would like to be able to, you know, fall asleep or at least by one in the morning, you know, or one thirty in the morning. And I, I'm just, I'm wondering about, I, I've been doing a little reading about Kava Kava and, you know, depending on the site that you go to, similarly to Comfrey, even if it's Comfrey Leaf, there's all these warnings Um and I do find Kava Kava quite relaxing and, and helpful. And I just wondered um, what, what you think about Kava Kava tincture. I am a big fan of Kava. Oh, I see. Okay. I'm uh, wholeheartedly for it. And I do not think there's a problem with Kava. Okay. Where, where does it come from? It, like, where, does it, where is it grown? It is grown in the Pacific Islands. I see. Okay. And in fact, it is a plant in which it is said there is no wild one left. Oh, I see. Uh It has been cultivated for so long. And because the islands are somewhat connected through canoe voyages, but still at all islands, each island has developed its own variety of kava. Oh, oh wow. Right? Some of which are far stronger than others. When I first read about kava, the anthropological reports that I read said that the kava root was chewed, uh-huh. and the chewed kava root was spit into a hollowed-out log to ferment during the day. Oh, wow. And that it was then consumed in the kava ceremony in the evening. Oh. The first Kava ceremony I ever went to, which was on a houseboat in the Pacific Northwest, so it wasn't people who traditionally use kava, was nonetheless presented 
in a traditional way by someone who had been to the South Seas and had participated in kava ritual there so that we sat in a circle as dusk was coming over the land and passed the bowl of macerated kava root in some liquid and you took there was a little scooper and you took three little scooperfuls mm-hmm. and I didn't really think that the kava had affected me at all in fact it was pleasant sitting with other people and taking this herb, having the bowl being passed round and round. Of course, in post-COVID days, we shudder to think of a bowl being passed (laughs) around with a a communal spoon. Like, oh, what were they thinking? (laughs) We weren't thinking COVID. This was quite a while ago. (laughs) And uh, until I got up. And when I got up, not only was I in a houseboat, but everything was reeling. And then I had to walk on this small plank to get over to the bank. And it was like, ha, ha, right. <laughs> <laughs> the whole world was rocking and rolling. So it, it, I realized that if you live on an island, you have a small population. And people are always rubbing each other the wrong way. And you just can't afford with a small population on a little island to have those things grow into grudges. So every night you sit down with everybody <laughs> right in your community, every single person, and you have a kava ceremony and you all drink kava and you love each other, yes. <laughs> it's funny that you say that because I was telling a friend of mine who's in recovery and she attends um I, I believe it's Narcotics Anonymous meetings where kava has um, the reputation of being a substance that gets you high and you don't realize you're high. So she was saying that in that community, it, it's a real no. It's a real no. Gee, you're high, but you don't know you're high. Well, then what good is that? I have to get my dog to get my dog into a different room because I don't know that um, if you don't know you're high then you're not high high well that's that's kind of what I felt like I mean come on (laughs) (laughs) so here's the most interesting thing about kava and in the in the islands in the Polynesian islands when you double up a word it actually means something else and there actually is another plant that they call kava kava which means when you double it up it means it's not kava wow which is why i call it kava um but i understand that every book and everybody who's selling it is going to call it kava kava i see i see and the funny thing is that i happen to have Rebottled this. I I don't know why. I, it was a long time ago, but I put it in a different bottle and labeled it Kava Kava. So I don't even know what the original bottle said, but it probably did say Kava Kava. Um, what are what probably. are what? And yeah. again, the, the botanical name is what makes you know that you have the right plant. I see. Right. What? Uh, why does it have a reputation in some circles of being? Uh, potentially harmful. Because the leaf 
has totally different action than the root. Yes, yes, okay, okay. Uh The story Uh that I heard, and I have heard the story many times, and I've told it many times, and nobody has ever said, "Ah, that's so wrong. So I'm going to assume that it's right, Uh Um, although certainly not firsthand experience, was that in Germany, where herbal medicine is legal, which means you can't just do it yourself. You have to get people who have the license to do it for you. The person who was charged with buying the herbs bought kava leaf instead of kava root. The herbs are dispensed by being powdered, packed in capsules, packed in jars, and then prescribed for people, and they get it at a drugstore or a pharmacy, right? So people took kava leaf because it was prescribed, and it was given to them, sold to them at a pharmacy. Uh But it was the wrong part of the plant, and they went into liver failure, and few people had to have liver transplants. I see. I do not, don't believe anybody died, but it was bad. Right. And it is the kind of thing that is subtle enough, although <clears throat> really not that subtle. High the leaf is different than the root, but real subtle. I mean, we know that about rhubarb, right? You don't make rhubarb root pie. Whoa! <laughs> or even rhubarb leaf pie. You have to use the leaf stalk. Right, right. Now, that's a lot more subtle, really, than to tell the difference mm-hmm. between kava leaf and kava root. And I think <clears throat> one of the take-home points is, hello, never use herbs that are powdered in capsules, especially not uh-huh. if somebody else prescribes them for you and somebody else gives them to you. Yes, yes. Ooh, you are looking for trouble. Right. With a capital T. When you start powdering <laughs> herbs and putting them in capsules and letting somebody else who knows what they're doing, oops, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. do it for you. Herbal medicine is mm-hmm. people's medicine. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. what I do is I buy kava root and I make an infusion of it. And I use it as an infusion. For me, it really keeps me upright and moving. If I can't get hold of some kava, and I take the dried root with me if I travel so that I can make the infusion at the other end of the trip, um, it relieves my musculoskeletal pain remarkably well. Wow. And I have seen that in a lot of other people. I had an apprentice who had been fairly recently, like within the past year before she came to apprentice, in a pretty major car accident, which had smashed her on the left side of her body. And she really wanted to learn to milk. And our milk stand is such that you lean your left side of your body against the goat and put your butt on the milk stand, and then you have to turn to the left. Uh This was just about impossible for her. And we made kava root infusion, one ounce of kava root and a quart of boiling water, and 
then we open the lid a little bit and we let it sit out at room temperature until it got a little fermented, till it was a tiny bit bubbly. We checked mm-hmm. to make sure that it wasn't getting spoiled. And she said, Psst, even a couple of swallows of that relieved her pain so she could go right out to the barn, sit down, learn to milk. Do you, do you think that kava tincture would not do that? Would, would, it would have very different properties than that? Yes. I know tinctures, I know tinctures are quite different in terms of their they properties. Are. So, yeah, right. so for, for, Now, so like for most plants that are, that are sedating, kava is also stimulating. It is a piper. It is pepper. They are stimulants. Mm-hmm. So at the International Herb Symposium, um, when that was live, there was an herbalist ball, and at the herbalist ball, we were served kava. And I was not in on the brewing, so I don't know how it was put together, what the actual ingredients were, but I do believe that Herb Farm donated kava either in the form of kava powder that was somehow made into a brew or cause a tincture. And it was strong enough that our lips and tongue would tingle. Yes. Uh-huh. When we took it at the point at which you start to get that tingle, there's a fork in the road. Right. And you can go down the fork in the road that says sleep and solace, or you can go down the fork in the road that says Party all night. <laughs> okay. Which, of course, is what we did at the Herbalist Ball. <laughs> hmm. So, for sleep, do you think I I would be uh, would be a good idea for me to try the infusion instead of the tincture, or or just leave well enough alone and use the tincture because it seems to be helping. Definitely, if it's working, keep doing it. Leave it, yeah, okay. Absolutely. And then you might want to think or feel or ask, and how would it be? It's kind of expensive. It's an expensive plant. And Uh do you you have herb farms, Kava? Um, Oh, you don't know. You put it in a different bottle. Yes, and I just actually uh, ordered more. From a, a place here, from a place here in Ontario called Herbie's Herbs. I don't know whether you've heard of it, um, but they're they're pretty reputable. Okay, I like Herb Farm because I know Herbal Ed, and I know that he personally goes out and sources the plant material if he can't grow it. That's an American company, right? It is, but yeah. it's it's near you, and oh. I know that they ship into Canada. I've just been finding I'm being charged duty so often these days when anything gets shipped across the border. Um, you know, what a drag. I know. Yep, I know. I hear you. I mean, I'm paying delivery, right. extra delivery charges, and then on top of that, an extra. Like, and on top of that, I have to pay more. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, uh. What a drag! Right. How to how to slow down the free exchange of goods and services? Yeah. So, <laughs> so for for musculoskeletal, yeah, yeah exactly. But for musculoskeletal pain, it sounds like maybe the, uh, the the infusion is the way to go, eh? 
Certainly, I find uh-huh. it so. Uh huh. Uh huh. I see. Okay. Thank you so much. It's been really, really informative. I, I really appreciate it because I, you know, you never know what, what whether or not to, uh, to to feel like what you're reading on the internet is credible. So, yeah. Thank you. I think the most important thing, and really for all of us, is to be gentle with ourselves, to be loving with ourselves. The scientific tradition says you have to measure up. The scientific tradition says your cholesterol is supposed to be here, your blood pressure is supposed to be here, your eyesight mm-hmm. is supposed to be like this, you're supposed to sleep this many hours a night. <laughs> right. And then we start to beat ourselves up because we don't measure up. Yes, yes, yes. And I find that if we can gently say to ourselves, how can I lovingly be the person I am without trying to make myself someone else? Yes. I hear you 100%. I actually just read, and I'm like, of course, that there are, there is a genetic variant in human beings in which five and a half hours of sleep, which was my normal, five and a half hours of sleep is like what I sleep, right? If I'm really exhausted, I might sleep six hours. Uh-huh. That's actually a genetic thing. There's a certain percentage of human beings. And we're, that's, that's, our, that's our sleep time. Right, right. And I just had to get... Even with it, you know, fi- you know, finally I just read this, but, it, you know, I read the same things you read. You have to sleep this much, da-da-da, right. and if you don't, this is happening in your brain, and da-da-da, and not only right. that, these bad things are going to happen. And, hey, I can go to sleep three hours early, and I will wake up five and a half hours later. It doesn't really matter. Right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah. So I just, I, I had, just... To, I just had to say, Susan, Hi. Stop trying to make yourself into this normal scientific thing. Be the normal mm-hmm. that you are. Yes, yes. In, in so many ways, that seems to make sense, not just with regard to sleep, right? Yes, mm-hmm. but especially in regard to sleep, because the sleep police are really out there. <laughs> especially these days. It's true. Very true. They are. Yeah. They really are. It's They're just... Totally willing to make you feel like you are not taking care of yourself if you are not sleeping, sleeping, not just yeah. resting, but sleeping for eight hours. Right, 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 right. Um, and in, in fact, a, I mean, we look at all the, you know, like European religious orders, they got up, what, like twice a night to pray? Wow. That's... That's different than how we live. <laughs> yes. Yes. The, the whole, again, the whole idea of, of laying down and sleeping for a long period of time isn't anthropologically verifiable. Uh-huh. uh-huh. It's, not, it's not normal for human beings who haven't been uh, industrialized. Yes. Yes, yes. So the Industrial Revolution created so many problems. Well, it created a lot of uh, different ways of looking at how we should be. 
And it it's not necessarily wrong, you know, in uh-huh. order to be industrialized. We do need to be those ways. Yeah. Right? I don't. But then again, I don't fit very well into consumer society. Right. Right. What? Susan, one more question about Kava Kava. Um, do you think it would be effective for cancer pain? Do you have any experience or well, say? pain, uh, tell me a little more about what you mean. There okay. is, cancer is causing pain in someone? Um, it's a bit of a the- theoretical question, to be honest. Uh, um, okay, I'm cancer doesn't of- cause pain. Well, I'm thinking of a friend who had her, who had a very, very um, long surgery on her arm. There was a very unusual cancer. Surgery caused pain, but the cancer didn't oh, cause pain. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, so right? so post-surgical post-surgical pain. Do you think it would help? Totally. That's why I'm that's why I'm friends with it. Uh huh. Uh huh. I see. I see. Okay. Uh huh. Uh huh. They carved me up for 17 hours, sawed off my bones. Yes, yes, yes. Right? Yes, yes. And it's only been just a little under three years. My body is still adjusting, and nerves are still growing back, and yes. muscles are still saying, really, really? There's not that bone to attach to anymore? Really? Yes. And I'm doing my best to put, you know, people have like a phantom leg, right? So I'm like yes. putting those phantom bones back and saying, go ahead, muscles, just attach to the phantom bone. Right, right. Right? So, so it's one of the reasons that I drink some kava. Not very much. ounce or two of the infusion every day, every morning. I see. I see. And I don't I find see. it makes me at all sleepy. It really helps me through my day in many ways. I see. I see. Okay. That's great to know. So you prepare it in the exact same way you prepare the other infusions generally? That's right. I measure out an ounce of a root, put it in a quart jar, fill it to the top of the boiling water, let it steep overnight, and then I stick it in the refrigerator. I use maybe an ounce of that a day. When that's mostly used up, I fill the jar with boiling water again. Oh, okay, okay. It's one of those you can do that. And then I use like maybe two or three ounces of that on a daily basis. And then I dump the root into a pan of water and boil it and decoct it. Oh, wow, okay. It's really expensive, so I'm really just squeezing everything I can out of it. Right, 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 right. Susan, I signed this up. This way, about... even though I'm consuming it daily, I use less than a pound a year. I see. Oh, okay. Wow, okay. That's a big, okay, uh-huh. I, um, I was going to say, I signed up for one for an infusion workshop that you offered maybe seven or eight months ago, and I sort of lost track of it. I paid the money. Uh, so it would be just in my account if I go to my account and put in my password. Would it be there somewhere to listen to? Yes. At wisewomenschool.com. Okay. okay. You go to wisewomenschool.com, okay. and you, everything that you've ever purchased or gotten for free there is available okay. to you forever. Okay. Okay. We don't revoke it or make it go away or just give you limited time. Okay. Okay. All right. Thank you so and much. I'm very grateful. You're so welcome. Thanks for your question. Thanks. Good night. Blessings. Good night. Good night. All right. It looks like we have four callers that have pressed one to signal they have a question. 
Next caller has dialed in from the 401 area code. From the 401, you are live with Susan. Hi. Um, can you hear Hi. me? Yeah, Hi. sure. Hey. I'm Deborah from Rhode Island, and uh, you helped me about, oh, about a year ago with Mother Wart and St. Hawthornberry. Uh, um, so, but I'm not going into that, but I do want to tell you um, how beneficial it was for me, and um, I got a plant this year, and I grew my own and made my own tinctures of motherwort, so that's all wonderful, but I have another issue, and um, I did uh, live with gallbladder flush by a man who wrote a book called Andreas um, Marit. Are you familiar with that? I'm familiar with gallbladder flushes because I have treated hundreds of people who have harmed themselves with them. Okay, because I have done three, and it I seems to me... I wish you while you still have your health. Say it again. I used to teach at a school that demanded that their students do a flush. Yeah. These students were mostly in their early 20s. Over 10% of them had to have emergency gallbladder removal surgery because of the flush. I'm asking you to stop now while you are still in good health. Okay. Now, listen. I am. In general, a gallbladder flush is a very bad idea. Are you drinking lots and lots of oil? No. Um, It's once a month, and... The flush is 14 hours. You prepare six days by not eating uh, animal products and other things. I'm not going to go into it. But I found it. All I kept thinking of, this is what Susan Weed means when she says you're doing the hero's way. And you just it was so torturous for me. Um, I did eliminate a lot of gallstones on the second one. This third you one, I You did yeah. not. You didn't. What was it? Green emerald thing. Bile? Undigested oil. It was only a half a cup. Undigested oil. I ask you if you drank a large quantity of oil. Half a cup is a large quantity, yes. And you can't digest it. And that's what causes the gallbladder to need to be removed by emergency surgery. Okay, my. I'm, I, this is why I call you. You're not passing any gallstones. That's not happening. This is why I called you for the validation of what I came to to say. This is not for me. Um, uh, anyway, thank I'm you. So um, I am so glad that you came to that conclusion and that you that you are going did. to stop doing I this. I did. I yeah. Thank you so much. Okay. Right. It's um, a hype. It's a hype. Because you're given large quantities of oil to consume, and your body can't digest that much at a time, okay. it turns it into little green things that you can clearly see in your feces. Right. If you were actually passing a gallstone, A, you would be in huge pain, and B, you wouldn't be able to see it. 
even though they recommended the Chinese herbs, um, the bitters, and the coin grass would help, they say, to soften the stones so it could get through the bile ducts. So I did that, too. You would still feel it, and it would hurt. Okay. You are not actually passing stones. Okay. Oh, that's such a relief, because they tell you to do it until you get... uh, no stones showing up. And I know people who've done 8 and 12 of these things. And I can't go through another one. It was just so harsh. Um, but my, so, and uh, what I felt today was that it's not my gallbladder. It's my gut biome, um, which has been bothering me for a couple of years. And that's what I have to address. So do you have some recommendations? I know all the um you know, the kombucha and the fermented vegetables. But the thing is, I can't not take the fermented vegetables because I have major gas. Let me ask you this. Are you drinking nourishing herbal infusions right now? Uh, No, I am not. That's where you start. That's where you start to get a good gut biome. You drink a quart of nourishing herbal infusion every day. And and that's another thing. And you do not ever drink water. I don't like water. Good. Don't drink it because it's not good for your gut biome. Or it's not good for your bones. So, stinging nettle, oat straw, Humphrey. red oat clover, comfrey, linden, right? Linden. Not together, oh. one at a time. Yeah. In a rotation. They contain substances called polyphenols. And polyphenols are very active in the gut. And they prepare the way for the other things. So I'd like you to start doing that at least four quarts a week every day if you possibly can. After you've done that for two weeks, I'd like you to do your best to eat one wild green leaf first thing every Okay. Well, Believe it or not, I got chickweed out there. <laughs> yes, I just yeah, think you Yeah. Yeah. Now, can I just back up a moment? You said four quarts a week. I thought you would do um, a four a quarter day. You know, I would five I days a minimum of four quarts a week. I would prefer if you did a quarter day. Okay, minimum. Okay. I started growing all those herbs. I don't have a linden tree, but um, I, I got up nettles. I'm growing nettles and um, motherwort. Because a lot of the nettles that you see online, they come from Bavaria. Well, not Bavaria. Some some places I know. Bulgaria. You got a problem with Bulgaria? Yeah, Bulgaria. It's a beautiful place. It's not local. And so I don't know how it's That's grown true. or... That's true, but it's unlikely that you will be able to grow and harvest enough nettle to make your own infusion. Okay. All right. An ounce of dried nettle was mm-hmm. a quarter pound of fresh nettle. pound wow. of dried nettle is four pounds of fresh nettle. Say that again? A pound of dried nettles 
is four pounds of fresh nettles. Holy moly. I suggest that you think about what kind of capacity you have for handling herb, drying herb, and then cutting it up. I have, I don't have acres, acres of nettle around me, and so long as I have help, I can harvest a lot of nettle. But nobody wants to cut it up into pieces. And I don't want to buy a machine to do it. Uh, so most of the nettle I use for infusion comes from Bulgaria. Okay. Is that by the same man? Beautiful nettle. It's organic. And I, I've certainly had my own, and on special occasions I get, you know, my own homegrown nettle. How wonderful. I'm not saying don't do it. I'm saying let's be realistic. What I've seen is when people try to restrict themselves to making infusions from only what they grow, they wind up with just a couple of weeks' worth of plants. Well, thank you for that. I had not uh, done it before, so I didn't have that experience. Okay. Right. I mean, I harvested red clover almost every day, but I have, like most people, a limited drying area. And so over one summer, I was able to harvest about three ounces of red clover. That's not even enough enough for a month of infusions. Hmm. Focus on the things that you're going to make tinctures and vinegars from the fresh plant, like like your motherwort. Good choice, because you really want the tincture from the fresh motherwort. Yeah. And now it becomes really important, and I think you're taking too narrow a definition of local. Does nettle grow where you live? Yes. Then it's a local plant, even if it comes from somewhere else. Right? Banana is not a local plant for you. (laughs) No. Okay? Yeah. (laughs) That's the distinction I'm making. Not, you know, does it actually grow in your backyard? No. I had to put it there. What about um, all these things they're selling as um, um, probiotics? That's only one strain. Um, If you uh, eat a wild green leaf, you will get so much of what your gut needs. Oh, I love this. Oh, this just is, uh, this is great. Go ahead. What? Right. You drink your nourishing herbal infusions. Okay. You go outside and first thing you eat a wild green leaf, little chickweed, a dandelion leaf, some nettle when it starts to come up, whatever you want it to be. And what I find 
And what many, many others find is that once you start drinking your nourishing herbal infusions on a regular basis, what you eat is what your gut wants. You intuitively are drawn to it, you mean. Exactly. You provide yourself with access to good whole foods. You don't, like, open your cupboard or your refrigerator and it's all processed food. You're never going to win that way, right? Mm-hmm. you got to give yourself good choices. Yeah. But that doesn't. But that doesn't mean that you have to punish yourself in any way. So, I like chips. What do I get? I get carrot chips, which are sliced vegetables. And actual sliced vegetables, not like cornmeal with a little vegetable powder in it. Yeah. So I said, hey, I want some chips. Well, good, Susan. You have a choice. You can have terra chips. And, oh, you know, I find that that cassava is exceptionally healing for my gut. All right. And here's some cassava chips. So, Yeah. You want to be kind and loving to yourself, and you want to provide yourself with good choices. And then your gut will say, ah, thank you very much. And and just resume what it normally is capable of doing. It will. Absolutely. Now, just one last thing before I let you go. You are cooking your food, yes? Yes. All right. So if you're eating kale, how long is the kale cooked? Well, you I've heard you say this before, but I don't know why. You say over an hour. What can you explain that? So that you can get nutrition from it. I understand. If you that. are eating vegetables that are not cooked, then it is almost impossible to establish good gut flora. Really? People who are having a really hard time, I ask them, besides the one wild green leaf in the morning, not to eat anything else raw. No no lettuce. Until they get their gut flora well established, and then we can bring raw in. But it's the least nutritious and the most difficult for your body. Okay. So while I'm in this um, mode of self-healing here, um, it's you're recommending I do not eat raw foods, no salads, no greens. Right. You know, my body, my body naturally has stopped eating those things, you know. And I keep thinking um, I'm doing something wrong by not nope. eating them. You're not doing anything wrong at all. You're going to get more by drinking those nourishing herbal infusions than you would by eating anything raw. Okay. Okay, well, thank you very much. Um, You've really um, eased my mind and validated what I was moving towards, and um, I'm just so grateful. Thank you. And I am so grateful you called. Great blessings. Good night. Great blessings.
All right, and there are three callers that have pressed one, and the next caller has dialed in from the 646 area code. From the 646, you are live with Susan. Hello, Susan. Hi. Hi, how are you doing? Um, I've called in a few times now. You might, uh, I'm not sure if you recognize my voice. Um, I called in a while back. Um, I, I don't know if you remember, I, ha- I had a hernia and I had one side operated on, but I had a hernia on the other side. Um, and I started applying some comfrey to the area. And over the Christmas period, um, I developed bronchitis. And, well, I, I presume it's bronchitis. It was a severe chest infection one way or another. Um, and I, I coughed a lot, you know, like, you know, all day, every day. And as oh, a dear. result, yeah, as a result, I was... As a I result of hernia... Yeah, I start to really Ooh. feel it in the hernia. So um, it's definitely come out a bit more now. And I'm, so I'm really trying to apply comfrey in, from all angles, um, within reason, of course. Um, but I've made um, a poultice. Uh, I've got a couple of questions with a poultice. I've made a poultice from the dried roots, and um, I just blended it in um in a um Vitamix with some water and you know um and then I've kept that in a fridge covered and I've been using it for maybe two weeks just um a spoon spoonful in, on, onto a band a large band-aid and applied that to the area twice a day uh-huh. um do you think it'll last okay in the fridge first of all um how does it to, smell you know, well, no, I mean, it looks fine. I mean, after maybe two, two and a half weeks, it starts to develop a how bit of mold. It, how does it smell? Smells fine. So yeah. long as it smells fine, it is fine. Okay. Once, it, once it's not fine, it will smell not fine. Okay, you'll know about it, yeah? Okay. Oh, um, it really makes it, it's, um, <laughs> itself known, yes. Okay, so it does. All right, so it's uh, get ranted. Um, and then I'm... I'm drinking the uh, comfrey infusion uh, as part of my rotation with the other herbs um, that I, I drink, you know, uh, upon your recommendation. Um, and I just wondered if, if it's worth me taking the comfrey tincture as well, um, as, as a, you know, as well as doing the poultice uh, twice a day. I'm not sure. I haven't got any comfrey tincture. Oh. But I've made one, but it's not ready yet. Is this an inguinal hernia at your groin? Well, the inguinal... Uh, uh, or is it up by your belly button? No. Is it a hiatal hernia? I think... It, no, it, it is an inguinal hernia, but it's... I had the inguinal hernia on the right-hand side um, operated on because that was, like, really big. Mm-hmm. Um that was a very big hole, um, but on the other side, it's not quite so bad. The area, it's mm-hmm. kind of manageable, um, if that makes so sense. Here's, here's what I've been told. Okay. The musculature <coughs> of the abdomen mm-hmm. has a natural opening in that area 
to allow the testes to descend. Yes. And it's not a place that will close. It's like if you put your hand in a comfrey poultice every day, would your fingers grow together? No, of course. I, I, I understand what you're saying. Yes. Yeah, just like um, constantly moving in a way, isn't it? Um, and because it's a natural opening, it's not natural. like there's some... And, of course, what has happened is like that little rip you get in your the knee of your jeans. Mm-hmm. And then it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah. So... If you don't get it repaired, then the next time you start coughing, you have to go and lay down on your back. So there's no pressure on that Mm. when you cough. Right? Yeah. Or get a brace. They make hernial braces that you can wear if you want to walk around and cough. But it's the coughing that is, is tearing the hole bigger. Yeah. I definitely felt it this The comfrey might be able to close it down a little. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it's ever going to completely close it. Yeah. Because when mm-hmm. I had an inguinal hernia, I said, what did I do? Did I lift something? And like, Tamara says, I said, no, there's a natural opening in the muscles for the testes. I said, I said I'm a girl. They said, you still get it. You still get that natural yeah. opening. I'm like, oh, okay. Just... You know, standard stuff, you get a little opening in your musculature then. Oh, yeah. And, and, I, some, and some people are more prone to, when they cough, pushing on that area. Mm. I, was, I was definitely willing to, you know, to put it down to lifting heavy things. But I, the reason I got mine repaired was exactly what you're saying. I got into a situation where I was coughing, coughing, coughing. My dad died. Yeah. And my reaction to his right. death was to wake up every morning and cough for 15 minutes. Oh, and I don't mean, <laughs> I mean like just what you were talking yeah. about. Yeah. Like you mm-hmm. really think you're going to like pass out from the cough. That's right, yeah. And, and my, hernia, my hernia just like blossomed. I'm like, uh oh. Yeah, that, you know, don't you? You know when it's... Um... You can feel it. You can really can feel it. Yeah. And I must have looked silly in public because I would, rather than put my hands over my mouth to, you know, to shield my coffin, I was I was bending down and holding, you know, my area. Holding your, your belly to shield you. To, totally you, to you yeah. That. And, you know, my coughing all the way, people are looking Coughing at Coughing into your thigh, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I'm glad you're yeah. that. I'm glad you're that flexible. Good for you. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> indeed. Um, and then, um, so two things. Just on a, a, a very light note, I um, I had the uh, pleasure of visiting Woodstock a couple of weeks ago well, over the Christmas period, and uh, what a lovely little place it is. What uh, a charming hamlet! Yes. Oh, it's a wonderful place. We loved it. Absolutely loved it. Um. And then lastly, um, I wanted to ask you, 
I was getting a lot of hair loss, um, little bald patch, and I'm 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 40 years old, and I've got you know a bit of a, a hair loss in the crown area, and it was getting to the point where I was washing my hair. Um, I try and use sort of um, um, essential oil-free shampoos that I can find online and so on. And, um, but I was washing my hair, and I would notice. Um, you know, the odd hair or a few hairs every time I washed my hair that were coming out. And they were coming out at quite a rapid rate. But I would say in the last year, um, since I've kind of discovered you and I've been drinking the uh, herbal infusions on, you know, uh, on a a very strict rotation, um, I, I don't notice much hair loss these days. I don't know. I wanted to ask you if if it is the infusions, which I pretty much think it is. Um, oh, yes, which definitely. which ones do you think it might be that would um, that would aid that? In your well, opinion? first of all, all of the, all of the infusions except for linden are very rich in protein. Okay. Okay. And of course, hair is protein. Nettle has been shown to have an especial affinity for mm-hmm. hair. I used to tell a story about a woman who came to me and she said, look, I'm dying of cancer. My kids want me to have chemo. She said, so I'll do it for them. It doesn't matter whether I die from the chemo or die from the cancer, really. She said, but i got to tell you, Susan, I'm just vain enough that I really don't want to die bald. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, you can try drinking stinging nettle infusion you know, throughout the chemotherapy and see what happens. And she called me and she said it worked. She said, I kept my hair even through the chemotherapy. She said, but I'm going to wow. probably... Probably going to be dead in a week. Thank you. Oh dear! Oh bless! <laughs> I'm like, wow. Um, wow. So I, I yeah, think I, but... I remember reading in one of your books that you'd mentioned about the chemotherapy. Um, mm-hmm. You know, um, I think mm-hmm. applying nettle externally. I think you put in one of your books. I can't remember which book. I, I, I kind of rotate through the it's books. Probably as well. the green one because I talk about nettle the most. There. Yes, healing wise. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there you go. Yeah. So. Um, so thank you for that. And just, just in general, when we are better mineralized, which is what drinking yeah. the infusions does, mm-hmm. and eating well-cooked food, our hair shows that. Yeah. Our hair and our okay. scalp shows that very, very clearly. Not quickly, but clearly. Yeah, I definitely notice I'm like slightly thicker, but... Um, mm-hmm. Do you have any um, any recommendations for the the crown to try and restore? I know rosemary is supposed to be quite good. Um, well, someone then... used to make a beautiful rosemary shampoo, and then they started adding essential oils to it. Mm. Some people just <clears throat> make a rosemary infusion and keep it in the area where they wash their hair and pour yeah. some of that on. Okay, I've tried that, but it didn't really work. But I wonder. Um, what yeah, about nettle infusion. And it can stain too. It's it's pretty rich in tannins that rosemary. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think nettle so, infusion externally might um might, might that work? has been used. This fall, okay. you could collect burdock seeds and make some burdock seed oil, Ooh. which is the the best selling hair tonic in Russia. Is it? Okay. Well, let's give that a go, and I'll throw anything at it and see what happens. There you uh, go. Thank, yeah. thank they you say so much. they say that the gene for crown of head baldness persists 
because it makes men better hunters, because when they peer up to look at the animals, their heads aren't as high. Ah, okay. So when you look in the mirror, you just say, better hunter. Better hunter, yeah. Better hunter, right? (laughs) Plus, plus listen, I don't know if you know, but Mm. most women know that testosterone Mm. and hair don't actually go together. The more testosterone that a man has, the more likely he is to have some bald, especially at the ground. Okay. So so know that any woman who looks at you is going to go hunk when she sees that bald spot. Okay. Okay. Well, I'll I'll hold on to that. that. Okay. Lean in. (laughs) Green blessings. Good night. Thanks. Green blessings. Right. Thank you for everything. All right, and there are two callers that have pressed one to raise their hand. The next caller is dialed in from the 908 area code. From the 908, you are live with Susan. Hello. Hello. Yes, Susan, hi. Hi. Carol from New Jersey. I thought it was Carol. Hi. Yes, yes, great. Um, I'm downsizing, and um, I just went into my storage unit, which is um, not terribly big, but it's big enough. And I removed a five-drawer file cabinet and um, got rid of the cabinet, but not the contents. And I'm working through them, and um, I'll probably um, do a couple boxes a week of stuff and just remove it. And um, I'm doing the same thing. Everywhere I turn in this in my condo, because I I can't keep all this stuff anymore. Um, and at my age, I need to downsize, keep my life much more simple, um, and not have to manage this stuff. Um, but it does take a great deal out of me, and I all this letting go and. Uh, and, oh, and, wow, I hear you. Oh. Uh, uh, yeah. Are there, yeah. are there emotional ties to things that you're letting go of? Yes, yes. And, um, and, and yeah. So I, uh, I'm trying, I, I am getting good rest and, um, I'm eating well and I'm really good about the nourishing, I'm so thankful to you for that, how you encourage us for those nourishing herbal infusions. And, so, um, so here's a little exercise that I can suggest for you, Carol. When you hold something that has an emotional charge for you that you're going to get rid of, I want you to absorb the emotional charge. <laughs> and then what you get rid of doesn't have that charge anymore. Oh, okay. Because you don't have to get rid of the emotional charge. That doesn't take up any space at all. <laughs> yeah. You just have to get rid of the material thing. Yes. So use this as an opportunity to nourish yourself with all of those wonderful things you did. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like I just found a letter from a former student that was that 
what I was corresponding to in prison. And I mean, I, I could take a picture of the letter or I could let the letter go, you know. And so you're saying. And what I'm saying is, how do you feel yeah. when you read that letter? I feel I feel good that I was able to connect with him. Yes, you feel good. So you take that letter and you say, okay. I feel good. I'm absorbing this good uh, feeling. And you throw the letter away. Oh, Lord help us. Okay. All right. And all you're yeah. throwing away is that piece of paper because you got the good of it. That's a beautiful teaching. Thank you. Every, Thank you. Every single thing, as you pick it up, you say, what does this, what feeling does this bring up in me? And let me absorb this feeling. Wow, I felt so proud here. Wow, I felt so happy here. Wow, you know? And it's all nourishment. Oh, okay. You don't have to say, oh, I can't absorb this. I was very angry at this person. No, you can absorb that too. Okay. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Thank you. And is there maybe... Um, I guess the best thing is the nourishing herbal infusions to just support those are, my... Those are really good, too. Yeah. That's, I that's also, it. personally, give myself 36 hours on anything I'm throwing away. Oh, wow. You're the best. <laughs> like and a holding... So, and if it's bothering me after 36 hours, then I shouldn't be throwing it away. Okay. Okay, that's wonderful. Yeah, that's wonderful. Okay. Thank you. And um, do you buy your kava? I know you have your nice talk about kava from herb, the root. Star there? West. Oh yeah, Star West. Star, Star West sells the root. Yeah, Star West. Perfect. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna try that. That might support me. Well, okay. So then I I obviously have been doing a lot of lifting of things and. Um, Right. I, yeah, I had a the airbag in my car went off when I had a um, an accident, and it um, went against my hand, my left hand, because it was on the steering wheel, and mm-hmm. so I, I I broke something along the little finger, and then the thumb got involved too, and now that ball joint that at where the thumb attaches to the hand. Well, it's bigger than the other one, and so maybe arthritis in there. And it even goes down into below that, below that, like, ball joint. And so I'm thinking, what what would you think to? Uh, I, oh, I, I'm thinking of Lyndon now, too. You said anti-inflammatory. Um, but what do you what do you suggest for that? Linden is certainly wonderful, but I think because it's very specific that a poultice in that area, maybe ginger, maybe castor oil, something, right, really, really deep. Oh, nice. Um, Would I leave that overnight? Usually a short poultice is just as good as a long one. Okay. Uh Uh-huh. And do you talk about the poultices in one of your books, in, in Healing Wise or one of the books? 
I talk about them in general in all of the books, and where I really talk about poulticing a lot is in the breast book. Oh, okay, wonderful. Yes, of course I have. I have all your books. Um, Perfect. Okay. (laughs) Okay, Carol, I'm going to say bye-bye to you, green blessings, so I can answer this last person's question. Yes. Okay, I love you. Love Love you. you Green blessings. Good night. Good night. All right, and it looks like our last caller has dialed in from the 802 area code. From the 802, you are live with Susan. Um, Hi, Susan. My name is Jasmine. Hi, Um, Jasmine. (laughs) You're one of my favorite herbalists. (laughs) Thank you. Um, And I actually met you years and years ago. I was traveling with Annie Sprinkle to your land, and she was doing, I think, a tantric workshop, so... Wow, okay. (laughs) Nevertheless, um, I've had um, a a gallbladder um, um, crisis lately. Um, Early on in the year, I had an ER visit and got diagnosed with one gallstone. So that was in the spring, and then um, I think it was in December, I had two visits to the ER with extreme pain. I now have many gallstones, and they want me to have surgery. Um, I'm somebody who has a lot of fat in my diet. I do the raw milk. I do lots of meat, lots of butter. It's like I'm a very high-fat person. And now I did this kind of extreme um, modification to my diet because I completely freaked out. I was going to get gallbladder surgery and pulled back on that a little bit to see, like, you know, it's a whole new thing, this whole low-fat thing, which I feel is very unhealthy and I don't feel very grounded. But it's controlled pain, and I'm doing a little bit of homeopathy. I do regular herbs daily, and I love infusions. And But I'm at this crossroads of what do I do? You know, just trying to figure out diet is very complex once you're... Very doing... complex thing, isn't it? You know, and, <laughs> and there's others. You don't have to make a decision right now that will last forever and ever. You can make a decision that works for you now and make a different decision down the road. Okay. Okay. Farah had, she's no longer with us, really severe gallbladder problems, and she was totally able to control that with herbs. But Really? Yeah, but her stones did get bigger and bigger. And eventually, she just really couldn't keep the cap on it with herbs. And so she agreed to the surgery, and she demanded that they give her the gallbladder and the stones. There was a stone in her gallbladder the size of her thumb. Wow. So I'm saying to that other woman, you're not passing your gallstones. They're pretty big. (laughs) They're not these little bitty things. And... um, she, you know, said I had to have the surgery. I was in so much pain. But after the surgery, she was still in pain, and the herbs didn't work anymore. The herbs didn't work anymore for the pain. Is that what you said? Right, because she didn't have her gallbladder anymore. So what do you think about somebody adjusting to, like, I know they have these crazy, like, you know, you're supposed to have a lot more fat in my diet than 25 to 40 milligrams a day. It's just, or 25 to 40 grams a day of fat. 
I'm, you know, not, it's not, it's not a matter it's, of think. It's a matter of what is your body demanding that you do? Right, right. It's okay. Thinking about it isn't going to help at all, right? Right, right. Right. You, is your body saying, so long as you will only feed me low-fat things, I will not hurt you? If right that's now, what I'm saying, and you can do that, then that can be a thing to do. I know that there are sound wave therapies that are used to break the stones into sand so that they can be passed. Have you heard of a lot of success with that? Mm-hmm. Okay. It has to be a certain kind of stone. It has to be a certain size. It's not just for everybody, but certainly something worth investigating. And okay. I also know that they are doing gallbladder surgery both laparoscopically, which means basically closed surgery rather than open surgery, so far less chance of infection, and right. robotically. Oh, I read about that. They were saying I was going to have it laparoscopically, and I actually just read maybe the other day about robotically, which I wasn't completely convinced that was a great thing, but... Um, Yes, I was understanding I was going to have a laparoscopic one done. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I was offered a laparoscopic um, surgery, I went and I looked, and what I found was that all the, the doctors prefer laparoscopic, the specific laparoscopic surgery I was being offered, that the overall survival rate was far better for the open surgery. It was far better than the open surgery. For the open surgery. The women who had the open surgery were far more likely to survive and with fewer side effects. Wow. I've read the open surgery takes many weeks to recover from. It's a much bigger deal. Is that it's right? a much bigger deal, that's for sure. But do some homework. Okay. Don't just you- walk into it and think this is the latest, the greatest, the best, and everything will be fine. Maybe, but find out. Okay. Right, and it was, you know, certainly one of the things that caused me then to dig even deeper and say, no, I'm not not going for the surgery. You want to do laparoscopic surgery? If I have the surgery at all, it's going to be open, and you only do laparoscopic, so we're at a standstill. Mm. And, you know, as it turned out, I got the open surgery. Okay. Wow. And she did it two years down the road because of Mm. all the other stuff that was going on. So, you know, be, be as proactive as you possibly can in every aspect. I've been reading Barbara Ehrenreich's um, last book. Apparently she just died last year. And Natural Causes. And she starts resisting the medical profession in small ways. And then she starts investigating in larger ways. And she says, gosh, you know, I had really been led to believe that everything the medical professional profession did was based on data. 
and on previous experience. She said, but in fact, 90% of it isn't. Wow. So don't take yourself into a situation where you're going to assume that they know what they're doing. Make sure you do. Right. Right. Uh-huh. Um, can I ask you uh, what you feel about home? I've had ex- extreme, ex- extremely great experiences with uh, anthroposophic homeopath in your area, Anna Lopes. Um, Anna with- is wonderful. I think she might be retired yeah. at this point. Okay. Yeah, she uh, she had a phenomenal experience with her, um, where other doctors were like, "We can't even touch what you're going through," and she yeah. got rid of. Yeah, yeah. I, I, the homeopath that I use is Susie Mazzoli, but I don't know if she's accepting any new clients either. Oh, it's, I guess maybe I could give her a call just to see. It's just to see. Okay. 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 Alrighty. All righty. All right. And now, let's hear from our guest, Jenny Grace Lyons, a pioneer in the home funeral movement and an international death educator. Jenny Grace informs and has guided hundreds of families who wish to participate in the natural death care of a loved one having funeral and grief rituals in alignment with their own personal and spiritual values. Jerry Grace Lyons founded the educational nonprofit organization Final Passages in 1995 to inform the public about little-known funeral options, natural death care rights and practicalities, green burial options, and the benefits of bringing funerals back into the home and family care. Jerry Grace is a death midwife, home funeral guide, minister, educator, MAID, which is medical aid in dying, doula, and Reiki master. She lives in Sebastopol, California. She's created a three-tiered certificate training program to help prepare people for end of life, learn about conscious dying, becoming an end of life doula, dealing with grief and green burial options. She's been featured in a PBS documentary, A Family Undertaking, and in many major newspapers and magazines. Welcome to the show, Jerry Grace. Oh, thank you, Susan. It's so great to be on with you. I'm just thrilled. Thank you for inviting me. We are delighted to have you here. I don't know if you got to hear the beginning of the show when I did a small introduction of you and told people that that they all, as Elizabeth Kubler-Ross used to remind us, have a termination date and they might as well make some plans now because it's really kinder than dropping off and not letting people know what it is that you want. I couldn't agree more. It's um, It's one of the greatest gifts people can give to their family to write down their last wishes and make plans. So when that day comes, and it could come abruptly, as all of us know. I mean, we never know when we're going to die. And then when people are in shock, as, you know, most people don't think ahead, but that's when it's really hard to figure out what to do and how to get things done and what is it that that person wanted. If they didn't write it down, then everybody has to figure that out. And that's not an easy thing when you're emotionally upset. And, and I also talked about the fact 
that my mom wanted to be cremated, but she didn't really tell me until close to the end. And if she told me sooner, maybe I would have argued with her. <laughs> yeah, because maybe. It's a chance. Maybe, maybe they don't want what you want. Yeah, exactly. I mean, how are we supposed to know? And I mean, a lot of times we know that person pretty intimately, but that still doesn't mean we know all the things they want. Um, and and so it's, it just makes it easier for the family to follow a plan, just like a birth plan. Just like a birth <laughs> plan, right? We can have a death plan. <clears throat> so... I just kind of fell into a mentorship with Elizabeth Kubler-Ross early on in my life, and that really put death on my map. How did death come to you? Well, I it came really, if I go back uh, about 35 years, I was in Hawaii on the island of Kauai, and I was invited to a puja ceremony, which I'd never been to, and there was a big giant crystal and we were told we could go up and speak our prayers to to this crystal and I just remember saying I really want some some kind of right livelihood something that would serve others and make a difference in the world and that's something that would help me grow spiritually and emotionally Uh, fast forward seven years later (laughs) after that prayer of a dear friend of mine. She became a dear friend. Um, she was a Reiki master, and I was going to her house to practice Reiki. She was a nurse. Uh, she went to work one day to care for this older woman in her home and wasn't feeling well after breakfast. They called 911, and they came very quickly and worked on her, but they weren't able to keep her alive, and she was only 56 years old. Um, Her name is Carolyn Whiting, and she was extraordinary in my eyes, um, very psychic and very spiritual, and um, and her all of her friends in her community were in great shock of her sudden death. Uh, But her close close friend of over 20 years, Norma, in San Francisco, um, said uh, she she was notified by the hospital that Carolyn had died, and she came up and met with all of us to, um, we're an hour north of the city. And she met met with us and said Carolyn had written out all of her instructions on how she wanted to be taken care of when she died. And she said she did not want her body turned over to a mortuary. She did not want to be embalmed or have an autopsy or any of that. She wanted her friends to bring her home from the hospital and bathe her body, dress her, lay her out. That's the old terms um, of preparing her body and doing ceremony with her body in her own home. <clears throat> so we were only carrying out her wishes uh, as she had written them. And, of course, it opened our eyes to a completely new, new to me, new new way of, of dealing with uh, a death and a body and this was equally shocking and surprising um, but that's what we did the next day we went back to the hospital and through hiring a funeral home to get the death certificate quickly filed we were able to bring her home and to her own home and do everything she asked us to do 
And through that experience, it was what I would call my initiation into um, what I now term a home funeral. And it was us doing this natural death care with her body, uh, bathing her in a very sacred way and um, and and natural way. You know, we laughed and cried and and felt all these different emotions rolling through as we did this process. Um, and we were, you know, deeply still in shock. Uh, but yet this felt so personal and loving and intimate and meaningful to each of us that were participating. And that's exactly why I would have tried to talk my mom out of being cremated. Mm-hmm. Because her, she died, and then her body was taken away, and then I was given ashes. Yep. It's not emotionally yes. satisfying to me. No. No, it isn't. Not at all. I, people are really seeking uh, something more authentic, something more relevant to today, and, and something that has meaning and, in, and empowers them because they are the ones they're the ones that love this person they're the ones that can take care of their body in this most loving way and they know what they would like they know how to you know how to dress the person and whether they want makeup or not and and what kind of music they might want played or you know what to surround them maybe what flowers they want laid upon them or or me (laughs) For me, speaking is the person left behind because, truthfully, they're dead. And nice mm-hmm. to respect their wishes, but I'm the one who's mm-hmm. here to mm-hmm. have had an opportunity to touch my mother in a loving way. Mm-hmm. What yeah. has meant a lot to me. Yeah, and that that is so healing for people when when they're right there. They're the ones doing this beautiful ceremony with their loved one. Right. And, yeah, it's... It, I mean, I it was say, nice to have a memorial service, but it wasn't washing her and dressing her. And, you know, I talked about my beloved fern, and we cut down her rosemary bush in Texas, which was, you know, six feet high and six feet across, and surrounded her body in fresh rosemary boughs. Mm. very active in the community people wanted to come and pay their last respects to her so we were able by surrounding her in rosemary to keep her there for almost two days for people to come and say goodbye yes and that's so it's so different from a funeral like when you said a home funeral in a way my back got up and I'm like it's not a funeral because it's it's real and it's like you know and I thought you could just drop that Susan it's okay (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we called it natural death care right away, um, and later we changed our, our name to Final Passages, but we still use natural death care as a way to describe what we're doing, because it yes. is very natural, and the family is the one, or f- close friends, extended family, they're the ones that are doing this beautiful ceremony. And, you know, they're, people say all the time that it's it changed their whole life. It was so profound for them. And they they couldn't imagine doing it any other way once they've done it this way. 
it just has so much more depth and caring and love and and everything. Um, and they get to decorate a casket. You know, we'll bring a cardboard cremation <laughs> casket over, or they can build a wooden box if they want, but they get to decorate it. They can put photos on it or paint uh, pictures on it, use decoupage or whatever, uh, whatever they want. And that creativity and that patience is so healing and so um, empowering for people. Now, I said at the beginning of the show that my understanding was this was pretty much a state-by-state thing, that different states had very different rules and laws and regulations about what you're actually allowed to do. Yes, that's, that's true, but everyone has the right to wash the body of their loved one and pre- prepare their body. Um, they they may not be able to file their own death certificate. There's about 10 states where you have to hire a funeral home to complete the death certificate or transport the body. Um, in California, where I live, it's you can do all of that. Uh, the family can do all of that. Individuals can. Um, but in 10 states, you have to involve a funeral home for, like I said, either a death certificate or transporting the body, um, but people don't realize they can still have that time, even if they take four hours um, or six hours or even overnight uh, to be with the body before they call the funeral home and have it taken away. So um, a lot, most of our families, you have the person at home for three or more days. Right. So it, having your death at home is, in a way, a prerequisite to having your funeral at home. Um, yeah. In other words, it's, well, it's more difficult if someone's in a hospital and dies in a hospital to get them home for a home funeral. It is more difficult. But it sounds but we like have helped, We have helped many people do it, but it it does involve more steps and more time to yeah. get them home. Is there, um, a, um, is there a way that people can get in touch with you for specific information? I know that people, um, you know, really want to ask, like, really specific questions, and it's just too short an interview for that to be possible. <laughs> so let's yeah. right at the beginning here uh, offer people a way to get in touch with you if they want more and more specific information. Thank you. That's that's. Easy, easily done. Um, just go to finalpassages.org, and we have a website, and you can contact me. Uh, you can send me an email. You can call me. Um, I'm, you know, I'm here answering phones lots of times, and or I will get back to people um, if I'm, you know, I might be out helping a family, guiding them through their home funeral. So um, sometimes I'm not in the office or doing other errands. Uh, but yes, please do contact us through our website, and um, and also while you're there, check out our courses and um, see yeah. what we offer. Yeah. And is there a like a website or a place besides your website where we can just go and see what the laws and rules are state by state, or is it better to get in touch with you for that information? Well, there. We do have information, some, on ours. There's, um, there's also a website for the National Home Funeral Alliance. Okay. And there's uh, 
there's a book called Final Rights that we sell that has every state and their laws around home funerals or home funerals called Final Rights. And we've, we sell it so they can buy it through us or I'm, I'm not sure maybe Amazon carries it too, probably does. Um, so yeah, so there's that's plenty of ways excellent. to find loss. Yeah, that certainly helps a lot. Again, because mm-hmm. I know that, um, gosh, people from all over the world have told me they listen to this blog talk show. So that there's going to be, you know, all number of different questions of can I do this, can I do that, and mm-hmm. um, I want to talk to you just a little more generally and make sure that, that people um, know how they can get that information. So thank you for sharing that both through your website um, and through the book. Final Rights. Final Rights uh, and Josh, your website, Josh, Final Passages. Mm-hmm. It's written by Josh Slocum and Lisa Carlson. Thank book. you, Josh and Lisa. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So we... So, we also uh, we talk about all of that on our in our courses too, how how people can find out all kinds of information and prepare them. We try to help prepare people for their own death as well as the death of loved ones. Yes. Uh, yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. For that, that's mm-hmm. that's the one that you have the most say about. So, yeah. um, if I find that hospice is very helpful for people. For instance, there's a woman who's been calling this hotline for a number of years, and this past year, in 2022, she really felt that she was coming, like, close to, like, maybe leaving her body. Mm -hmm. And she was terrified that she was going to be hauled off to the hospital. Oh, uh-huh. And she's by herself, and she doesn't have any family. Mm-hmm. And she said, "What? What can she? What could she do? You know, to not be taken to the hospital because she really didn't want to die in the hospital." And I suggested she get in touch with hospice. And at first, she was really against the idea. She really, what she heard me saying was, "You should get in touch with the people who are going to." you know, make you die. But I, but see, I didn't, I don't think of hospice that way. I think of hospice as these are the people who are going to help you live until the point where you die. And that then you can, what, because I didn't have the language for it, but what was she saying? What she was saying was she wanted to die at home, right? Right. Which if you ask most people, I believe they would answer that they would prefer to die at home. I don't know many people that would prefer to die in a hospital, yet a great majority of people do die in hospitals. Um, Hospice gives care at home. The only thing is you've got to have somebody that they're living with. You know, they can't be living alone. I mean, they could for a time, but as they get more ill and decline, they've got to have somebody caring for them. Hospice doesn't do that kind of care. No, hospice doesn't do that kind of care. In the situations in which I've seen, it actually worked out because the care that hospice provided was enough for the person to feel 
either comfortable enough to say, oh, this isn't really the time I'm going to die, or, oh, I'm so at ease about dying, I'm going to do it faster. (laughs) Yes, and that's another choice uh, that people have in about 10 states now. Um, People can, if they have a six-month-to-live or less diagnosis of a terminal illness, and they're in a state that has approved medical aid in dying, they can uh, usually get two doctor's signatures. One has to prescribe medicine, and they can receive the medicine that they will need to ingest to um, end their life. And I have become a certified doula and to help um, other people who want to do this and the family um, surrounding them to support them, um, and it's, it's an interesting process, and we're there, we're there to just support whatever their wishes are, and it's usually a pretty process uh, and has relieved a lot of people from long suffering. So um, I, I just believe in choice. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's why I started Final Passages, so that we could let people know that home funerals is another choice that a lot of people weren't weren't aware of it. Right. And, yeah. You're not trying to tell anyone the best way to do it or the only way to do it, but to say, (laughs) here are some choices because of your experience and how moved you were to realize Mm -hmm. that you hadn't been told you had choices. Right. And really, it's nothing new. This is ancient. People around the world have been caring for their own dead for centuries. And I just say the past grew over with weeds. (laughs) And now we're just cutting back the weeds uh, so people can find that path again. (laughs) Oh, I love it. (laughs) That's grand. Uh, hey, hey, this is the way, the way we used to go. Let's see if we don't want to come come back to this path and use it again. It's a nice one, in fact. It is, and it's and it's very tender. I very it, tender. It, it, it opens us to some of our most tender feelings that we have. Mm-hmm. It definitely breaks down barriers. Between family members, maybe that hadn't gotten along for who knows how long. And we've seen people come together uh, at their home and just drop all of those old, you know, sometimes they don't even know why they were fighting (laughs) or upset uh, with each other. And, you know, it's just, it brings people together in a way nothing else does. Um, And we, we realize, you know, like, like I've heard spoken at many funerals, don't sweat the small stuff. You know, just um, remember how precious life is and and really love each other and uh, try to get along. And then, you know, come together to really honor and respect and, and give somebody a really great send-off, a great farewell um, in, you know, in the most, beautiful way they could yeah I love doing this work it's it's just so rich so I, great 
Michelle, and thank you so much for your willingness to share it with us. I have lots more things I could ask you, but I think perhaps the most important thing to ask you right now is, because believe it or not, the show's almost over, what did you want to talk about tonight that I haven't yet asked you about? Well, I do want to let people know that we, again, once again, just mentioned courses because I just happen to have our first level coming up in a couple of weeks. And so if anybody might be interested in diving deep into the exploration of their own uh, death or the death of somebody else and, you know, just how to be with them in with a conscious dying approach, um, uh, but mostly what I want to say is what I started out saying, that it's the greatest gift people can give to somebody to, to write down their last wishes. Um, it makes it so much easier on them to know what somebody wants when that time comes. Um, and, you know, as Ram Dass says, we're all just walking each other home. And so let's, why not do it in the most honoring and beautiful and respectful and caring way we can do it? Why not oh, here? That is, that is so lovely. Gang, listen Jerry to us. Death, death, <laughs> death is not um, a disaster. Right. It's okay. It's okay. It's, it's not, not a failure. <laughs> right. It's not an emergency. It's not a failure. It's not a disaster. It's mm-hmm. It's the natural end of everybody's life. And the more you can listen to what's being said tonight, the easier you will feel, too, when it's your time. Right. It's about slowing things down and being with what's happening, what's going on, and really focusing on the whole ritual of this person's passage, a rite of passage, um, rather than just just having them whisked away, as you said, and they're gone, and now there's this big empty hole, and you don't know what to do and how to fill that emptiness and that sadness. Um, instead, you can be creative and uh, create all kinds of, of ways to heal uh, through this and and help with diminishing fears about death for people. And children learn from this. And they don't grow up in fear of death. Exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah, they they grow up, you know, and they can ask questions, and they can grow up going, oh, everybody dies. Yes. This oh, right. Happens. Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. This, this is yeah. the thing that happens at the end, <laughs> and sometimes in the middle, and sometimes when you're not looking. Right, right. right. Yeah. Uh, Elizabeth, oh. you Everybody has an expiration date, but it's stamped on your left buttock where you can't see it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, or maybe on our heart. So as we come to the very last minutes of the show, and it's a blog talk show, so they're very mean and they really cut us off, I want to ask you, what do you want to leave in the hearts and the minds of everyone listening to you tonight? Well, the more that you can be with contemplating your own death, uh, the more the more consciously 
you can live your life as well, the more full it will be. Um, that that you can live more fully is what I want to say. The more fully you're able to look at your death, your own possible death, uh, probable death, <laughs> for sure death, the more fully you will live. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Tell people once again the website, and then we have to say goodbye. Finalpassages.org, O-R-G. Finalpassages.org. I envision that you are part of the great reweaving of the healing cloak of the ancients. We are each in whatever way we can contributing skills, threads, um, vision to this cloak. And I thank you so much for weaving death, natural death, back into this healing cloak. Mm-hmm. And Sarah well, Ellen, well, whoa, good work, girl. We are getting it on the Hypericum Conference. Now let's go out there and get some people to give Hypericum shorts a try. Green blessings, everybody. Good night. Good night. <laughs>